That's good. Excellent. How about yourself? You know, it has been a very, very busy week. <laughs> oh, I'm glad for the weekend, but the, the weekend doesn't stop the busyness, does it? It's still plenty to do, and sometimes that's the, the best time to serve our people, isn't it? Yep. Well, we'll jump uh, right into it. Um, so today we're talking about discover the joy of creative thinking and recognize the importance of realistic thinking, chapters three and four in the book. And uh, just starting out, Jan, was there anything that stuck out to you or out of those two chapters that really maybe really popped out to you? Well, I, I like that. I mean, that they were together because they balance each other out really well. Yeah. I'm, I am better at creative thinking than realistic thinking. I'm awesome. more, very much more right-brained than left-brained. Interesting. And, um, however, you know, when you can get in your head, um, you know, and you're in a, in a feeling in a powerless state or, you know, your world's kind of crashing around, your creativity can sure get, get dampened and the reality thinking sometimes you know, because you've, you've got to look at things without the creative side. If you don't have both of them together, reality can just really keep you stuck. Yeah. You know, it's interesting, too. I, I was thinking just as you were saying that, that it's funny how what we think is reality is sometimes our fears and some of those things that hold us back. And maybe taking that twist on reality of is that fear really real or is it just a fear and is is there any real reason why that should hold us back? And sometimes it might take a little bit of creative thought to say, you know what, that really isn't a real thing. That's just in my head and I need to let that go so I can move forward. Don't that's interesting. Yeah. Is this a lim I use the word limiting belief a lot. Absolutely. That's a great one. Yeah. Is this just my own limiting beliefs or is this reality? <laughs> yeah. One of the coaches with the John Maxwell team, Paul Martinelli, that uh, I list listen and work in with him quite a bit. He uses that term all the time. I think it's a powerful term. It, anything that holds us back, those limiting beliefs definitely make a difference. Well, I like what you said too, that this kind of takes two different views of it. You got the creative view and then you got the realistic view, kind of that duality. And just like last week, we had the, you know, the wisdom of big picture thinking and the power of focus thinking. And so this, you know, kind of these extremes of thought that, like you said, they balance each other and they help us come to a more rounded and a, a more full uh, understanding of whatever it is we're looking for or whatever it is we're looking at. So um, with that, I'd like to just jump right into the, the chapter, Harness Creative Thinking. You know, right off the very first uh, quote, there's pretty much a quote under every title but i liked how he said the joy is in creating not maintaining this is by vince lombardi the uh nfl coach and i think that there's some truth to that that there is joy in creating stuff that it's neat to discover something new or create something new versus just do kind of the same old same old and just go through the motions it seems like and so i i really love that part mm -hmm. um you know as as we look at this 
one of the things I really liked in the chapter two is this idea that um, John first talks in on page 25, right there at the very top. He says, I place a very high value on options. Why? Because they provide the key to finding the best answer, not the only answer. And John did a teaching a while back where he talked about more and more and more before. And I mentioned that last week in the big picture thinking one, but just that idea of, you know, creative people, creative leaders look, the more and more part of that is they are always telling themselves there's more than one answer, that there's more than one option, that we can't be just limited by one single thing. And for me, that has been probably a life-changing thought that was introduced to me probably, oh, it was in 19, I think it's 1999, 2000 era, where I was in a, a group of people, kind of a mastermind group within our uh, master's uh, program. And I would get very fixated on one idea typically in my thinking. And this guy, he, he said something that just stuck with me forever. He said, Kent, that is a way. That's not the way. <laughs> and, and just that simple term, it's a way. Really just even all those years ago, that was just kind of one of those light bulb moments for me where it said, you know what? There's always more than one answer. And if, if we work within a, a group or even just challenge our own creativity, we can always find multiple ways to approach a problem or address a situation or take on a challenge. And those different options give us different things to think about and consider. Um, on page 26, there was, there was a nice piece there too, where it asks a couple of questions that I thought can help things open up too. Um, and he's got them in italics and it's right there below the think, collect, create, mm -hmm. correct, connect piece. And that the idea of what materials relate to this thought what ideas can make the thought better? What changes can make these ideas better? And then I, I liked it. The very final thing is just finally connect the ideas by positioning them in the right context to make the thought complete and powerful. And I think just context becomes such a meaningful part of how we're looking at something and what we're considering there. Was there any other parts in the chapter that stuck out to you? Janetta, that really kind of got your attention? I really liked on page 28 in the middle um, where it says, Poet Maya Angelou observed, you can't use up creativity. The more you use, the more you have. Yeah. That was pretty profound. No, I love that one too. I, I double underline. <laughs> I think anything by Maya Angelou is <laughs> worth taking a good hard look at. Absolutely. And, uh, she she was just such a profound thinker. But I like I like the kind of the abundance mentality thought there that you know there's just no end to creativity and the more we tap into it the more we grow it in ourselves I think but certainly there was a part in there too about valuing ideas and valuing the thought that's that come from other people. And I liked that idea too, that, you know, if we value not only our own creativity and seek it in ourselves, but we seek it in a, a group or a team, that really becomes a powerful uh, asset in our lives. So 
I, I thought that was good. Um, you know, in page 30 and transitioning over to 31, I, I wrote, there's a bunch of bulleted, um, mm -hmm. I guess, I guess statements that would limit creativity. And for me, I thought, yeah, boy, what, isn't it so true that these inside voices that we have in ourselves, as well as the outside voices of all the critics around us, um, boy, these, isn't this the, the script that, uh, that we go by and that we hear often that just shoot down and, and limit some of the best ideas we probably come up with. With just a, a, a quick scan of those, Jen, is there any of those that really stick out to you as, boy, that's one I hear from myself or from others a lot? Um, not practical. Uh -huh. um, it's too much work. That's one that, because, you know, as a coach and I create my own content and, you know, I, I write a, I pretty much got them all written, but for the, the I've had a year long coaching program. And so every week I write, you know, just basically a, a PDF like John did for every week. And, you know, sometimes your students, you know, really dive into it. And sometimes they're like, I didn't read it. And you're like, well, that was, <laughs> that was a waste of my time. Um, you know, cause their weeks got too busy. So I always find myself having to get over, if I do the work, is it really going to create a benefit? You know, yeah. that can really stop me in my tracks. What, what helps you get over that thought sometimes and, and just stick with it? The times when people have the shift and it does make the impact. And I mean, most of the time where you don't have everybody that's just diving in, you've got that one person that's like, you know, wow, that changed my life this week. Mm -hmm. And that one person makes it all worth it. Oh, always the one, right? <laughs> <laughs> kind of, you know, go after the one sheep, right? In some cases. It's like, well, I guess I wrote that just for you, you know, uh -huh. and that's fine. And it always, you know, whatever, it's like preparing a lesson at church. You benefit the most out of preparing it usually. Yeah. I was going to say absolutely that, that there's just, there's always the one is always us. I think that benefits first and foremost, because just whether it's in the preparation of it or just the thinking into it more than what we would typically do and being very intentional that way, I think just ideas come that wouldn't have been there and thoughts and maybe self-reflection comes there that we wouldn't have taken the time to do. And in, in that certainly grows some opportunity, doesn't it? Absolutely. I love that. You know, whenever kind of faced against something that just doesn't seem to really, maybe isn't going to bear the fruit that we'd hoped it would, or isn't going to do the things that we thought we would, the thought that comes to my mind is do it anyway. And, and, the, and the intent there is just, you know, no matter what, there's going to be some benefit, even if I'm the only one that benefits from it, and I know it would benefit so many others, so what? do it anyway. And I'll be better at it for having done it so that the next time I do it, I'll have even better gifts to give and better opportunities to, to serve with. So, and that always helps me in that type of a scenario. Well, I uh, think about the learning curve as well. I mean, yeah. you've got to figure out what's not working and how to make it work better. And that just takes doing it. Mm -hmm. 
it doesn't come without practice, does it? <laughs> you know, the, the converse to those creativity killers was, uh, you know, asking the right kind of questions. I really liked, uh, it's at the very ba bottom of page 31 and then going over to page 32. Yeah, I underlined that. <laughs> uh, it said the uncreative mind can spot wrong answers, but it takes a creative mind to spot wrong questions. Wrong questions shut down the process of creating thinking, just like those ones we just talked about, whether it's a, a question or a statement, it shuts us down. And I like this. They direct thinkers down the same old path or they chide them into believing thinking isn't necessary at all. And I liked, you know, there's been a lot of times where I think, especially as a coach, one of the things that I think we all struggle with is sometimes we think we see the answer for that person. And so we ask questions that kind of guide them down that path versus, you know, really just being curious about the questions we ask and asking a question that really brings out the thoughts that they have in an area and helping them find and solve their own solutions in some ways. That's so much more powerful, but boy, that's one thing uh, that I think I see that so much too, is, you know, those questions or the comments that come up really tend to drive us back to things we're already familiar with things that we already know. and Sometimes the question itself even has the statement of, of, of what we already know versus being more exploratory, exploratory and uh, curious. But I, I like those manipulative questions. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It does come off as manipulative, doesn't it? Yeah. No doubt. But yeah, there is uh, there's a number of questions there on page 32 that kind of get more into that. Hey, let's, Let's take a look, a look at maybe the other side of the coin there. I you like know. those. Yeah, there's one that just popped. It's right in the middle. It just popped out to me. It's just, what is the opposite? And I, I did a, an activity with a group just this last week where we talked about, okay, here's, here's one way of looking at it. And, and it's kind of maybe that generally accepted that's the right way to look at it type of a mm -hmm. statement. And then you said, okay, now let's take the exact opposite who could argue the exact opposite of that statement? And it was this idea of, wow, you really have to flip your mind upside down to really take a different approach on something. And it really, and in doing that, you start thinking of a bunch of different other ways to look at something. So was there any, There's so many paradigms in life that that's really, it's just looking at the paradigm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Especially, do you ever find that you, have people that are just dealing with things that, well, this happened to me 10 years ago. So this is the way I'm going to look at things for the rest of my life or maybe even early on in their childhood or other places. Well, that's the big thing that, that, uh, you know, the transformation code does is it dives into what's in trapped in your subconscious mind. Sometimes we even go as you'd be surprised how much is still affecting us even from the preexistence. Mm -hmm. um, you know, that whole, I, I see it as a political rally. You've got Satan saying, follow me and Christ following me. And we're saying Christ is the right way. And some of our friends went with the third host of heaven and didn't listen to us. And, and um, that is, a, is something that can come up, just the, the emotions that they were born with, which was a whole, it's like, really? You think of the preexistence as this happy, beautiful place, you know, where harps are playing all the time. But 
you know, when you think about that whole thing and Satan getting cast out of heaven and he was our brother and we loved and valued him, you know, it, it we can come here with baggage from that. I find women that, that constantly are narcissistic in um, relationships. There's, you know, Satan's the biggest narcissist there is. And, you know, it, it can be connected to that whole thing, the, the very core root of it. Anyway, there's a there's I think there's conflict in every place of our existence, isn't there, to some mm -hmm. degree, and that can translate to all kinds of different thinking. And like you said, I like the word you term baggage. Baggage definitely holds back our creativity at times, just by what Absolutely. we've experienced and, and and what kind of those glasses we have on. Well, going into Realistic thinking, employee realistic thinking, chapter four. Um, boy, this this was a good one for me to to reflect back on. Um, I think I kind of shared the thought that John shared uh, early on that uh, he just kind of shared the thought that you know he was a very positive, a very uh, idealistic thinker in in many ways, and the idea of being realistic using realistic thinking seemed very negative to him or very limiting to him in, in a lot of ways. And I liked how he said is when I was younger, you know, just like the world was my oyster type of an idea, anything could happen. But then as you kind of get kicked in the face a couple of times, as, as you maybe don't win as often as you would have thought you should have won, you start to realize, you know what, there's some realism to life that I've got to address and got to consider as part of that, uh, as part of that review. And so, I, I really liked uh, in chapter or in page 39, he says, I had to engage in realistic thinking if I was going to solve problems and learn from my mistakes. And, and certainly, you know, the experiences we have in life are, are a little bit of a loss if we don't go back and reevaluate the experience and rethink about, you know, what, what was it that I need to learn from that? What do I need to change mm -hmm. to, to do things different and better? Is there any other pieces in the chapter that stuck out to you, Janet? That um, just that I have limiting beliefs I need to get over about being able to, to be a realistic thinker oh. because um, math's never been good for me. I see that, you know, like running Facebook ads for my business. You know, you've got to look at the stats and, you know, look at all of the all of that there so you're not just mm -hmm. flushing your money down the drain and and that's something that i'm actually working on this, this 2020 is to to be better you know idealistic thinking is not hard for me but really looking at the nuts and bolts and the facts and the figures i resist because yeah. i've never felt you know science and math and all of that have always been more difficult for me that's but i i underline that change alone doesn't bring growth, but you cannot have growth without change. Oh. And that disappoint, I really like this, that disappointment is a difference between expectations and reality. Mm. And uh, page 41 under realistic thinking provides security. Nice. You know, that, that was one piece that I really liked about too is, you know, when we, when we've kind of gone through that, methodical look at things it gives us a little bit more whether you call it security or just a, a bedrock of just i know 
we've gone through the things and you know it's up to us now to make this work because it's we've really dug into it versus just kind of going off without any plan or any kind of preparation i think uncertainty is there it's a lot easier to quickly doubt yourself and and go back and i think once you've made the investment of course you can't take and wait forever to take that initial step but mm-hmm. but certainly doing the things um ahead of time i think provide that page 42 right there at the top the very first full paragraph i think says that beautifully that's one that i guess maybe it comes from my construction experience early on earlier on in my life but uh, i loved the analogy here he says you can't build a house in midair it needs a solid foundation ideas and plans are the same they need something concrete on which to build realistic thinking provides that solid foundation i'm sitting here thinking because the two decisions I've made in my life, when to get married and when to go into the doing what I'm doing right now, made no logical sense. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you're totally following your inspiration. And yet, you know, when we're told to pray and, you know, gather all the facts and then make a decision and bring it to God, um, I guess I'm thinking out loud that, because I always, you know, my big thing is, so many people are are living in desperation and just going through the motions and so focused on the mechanics that they can't dream, they can't move forward. And so, so it's, you know, teaching people how to use their inspiration and be guided by that inspiration, but you've got to have that realistic side. And like I say, I'm a, I'm a talk about it, then it comes together for me kind of person, Mm -hmm. but. But I'd love your thoughts on, since we're both, you know, of spiritual people, that how you bring that realistic into making those decisions that a lot of time, you know, getting married at 18, mm-hmm. neither one of us have college degrees. I mean, that's, that is not realistic. You know, it's totally like, yeah, we're supposed to get married. Yeah. But yet you've got to have that realistic so many times when you're making business decisions, plus that inspiration that, that helps you jump out of the airplane when it's scary. What's your thought? You know, just, just in thinking about it and something you said kind of triggered it for me. Um, you know, I think if we're so stuck in the realistic side of thinking that we're always seeking facts, trying to gold plate the answer, I think it will always hold us back from action. And I think there just needs to be that creative dreamer side of us a little bit that says, that just sees. I, and that's the only way I can say it. I, I think we have this, when I think of realistic thinking, I think of writing things down on the paper and looking at all the, I guess, options, but it, but pros and cons. Yeah. Pros and cons, the limiters, the things that could go wrong. Um, I guess as much as we were talking about earlier, there, there's all these things that would hold us back. And I guess it's, it's a, it goes back to that creative side of it is to do that pros and cons effectively, we need to be creative. And hopefully if it's a good decision, if it's a decision that's right for us, our creativity can bring in enough of those pros that help us have that security. That's, you know what, this is the right thing. And, and not only security, but a hope, and a dream in our mind that, of what it could be that gives us enough 
emphasis to, to really go for it. Um, you know, that, that's an interesting thought for sure. You know, we, we, and I guess there's the two sides of it too, is, is there's the side that we think about of the things that we really need to consider, at least put things in place. I like, we use the term risk analysis a lot with the work I do in program management, project management type of stuff, where we say, you know what, let's consider all the things that could go wrong and let's put things in place that limit the negative impact of those negative things that could go wrong, but then also put on, <clears throat> put in place those positive things that can help us be successful. And what are the things that we're going to do that are going to be, put a positive spin on it? And what do we make sure that we concentrate on so that we stay going in the right direction and, and accomplishing the right things? So, but yeah, definitely the pros and cons uh, side of, of looking at things, I think is a powerful thing that's a very simple tool, but it's also a very powerful tool if we really are honest with ourselves as we go into it. Sometimes we do the pros if we want to do it, and sometimes we do the cons if we want to hold ourselves back from it. I think we concentrate, but I think if we gave each their equal share, um, it would definitely help us make better decisions, and it is a pretty simple uh, decision-making tool. Um, on page 43, there was one part here that at first it made me laugh, and then it made me think, <laughs> and I was like, yeah, that's me. <laughs> But uh, it talks about records law and he says, there's nothing so small that can't be blown out of proportion. And then he goes into this quote by Winston Churchill. It says, men occasionally stumble over the truth, but most pick themselves up and hurry off as if nothing happened. So this idea that you know, a lot of times people will share their truth with us or they'll maybe help want to speak into our lives a little bit and we'll hear it and we're like, yeah, whatever. And just kind of not give it, give it its due. Mm -hmm. but but then um i like uh, ted koppel uh television journalist i don't know if too many people would remember him nowadays but especially the younger generation but uh ted koppel said our society finds truth too strong a medicine to digest undiluted in its purest form truth is not a polite tap on the shoulder it's a howling reproach but at the end, I like, in, in other words, the truth will set you free, but first it will make you angry. Yeah, I underlined all of that. that was, what, what, what's your thoughts there on that section? That is so deep and profound. <laughs> um, well, you know, when you coach people, one of the criteria is I coach people that are really ready to look at the truth mm -hmm. and really ready to look at, well, this habit, you know, if I want my life to move forward, I need to give up this habit. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and a lot of times it's, it's their diet, you know, things with their diet, because if you're not eating high vibrational food, you're not, you know, it keeps your vibration in a low place. It keeps you, you know, depressed and anxious and all that kind of stuff. And so, mm -hmm. That's, I don't know, that's where I go is just, you know, what, what truth do you need to look at in your own life? One of my biggest game changers and was so painful to look at is I'm a huge recovering control freak. Okay. <laughs> and it was, my husband was about ready to divorce me. My kids were train wrecks because of the control yeah. and the belittling and everything that I was doing and looking at that truth finally was so painful 
Yeah. Wasn't Marcus Buckingham so powerful in that regard? I don't Just know him. During Live to Lead, Marcus Buckingham, he was the last speaker oh, that oh, okay. talked about the joystick and how we tend to try to control things and oh, we're doing it out of love. <laughs> And I just, that, that powerful concept of, you know, trying to control everything and we say it's out of love, but we're taking away everything that love is. In well, it's out of fear. It's what runs control. Ab absolutely. <laughs> yep. It's a fear that something's going to go wrong, isn't it? And, and we, I don't trust you, isn't yeah. the other message you're sending? Uh-huh. Yeah. And that, and the other thing, you know, that whole idea of my way is the right way. <laughs> it's yeah yeah that that one way is the way and and when there's probably going back to the creative uh discussion there's many options always and that's one thing that i find myself a lot trying to do is respect what my children's ideas or thoughts are respect what my wife's ideas or thoughts are and it, it is it's it's a limiter for me at this point that i'm really working to try to improve and whether it's employees, whether it's uh, my family, I need to trust them that they can come up with great ideas just like I can come up with great well, ideas. And, and I have very free-spirited children, so learning how to trust their free spirits, is that's, <laughs> that's been a big one for me. Sometimes a very deep breath, huh? Uh-huh. So uh -huh. in, in the um, Mastermind Guide, there, there's always some really wonderful questions through there, but uh, at the very first of this section, I guess I'll go, go back to the very first of the creativity one. I'll just hit it real quick. At the very first of each of these sections, they have a little box at the first, and I, I like the first one on creativity. It says, unsuccessful people are stuck inside their box. Successful people explore options and innovate. And uh, just a question above it, just how do you break out of that box and be more creative and innovative for you, Janet, what, what do you think you're, you're already a, a very creative person, but is, is there something where you find yourself stuck in a rat or stuck in a box? You find a tool that what helps you make that shift? Well, what helps me make the shift is a pretty, a pretty out of the box. Um, I um, I think when we can dive into ourselves and figure out, you know, it's like, okay, what's the core of this that's going on? What's, what is it that I really need to see? What is it that I need to open my mind up to? And um, I don't know if you know anything about muscle testing, but that's an out-of-the-box thing that I will say, okay, where is the information that I need? And I, you know, I have shelves of books and resources and scriptures and I'll just ask where's the information and I'll muscle test and find it and it'll nine times out of ten be just the new idea the new thought the new or just the paradigm shift or the the letting go of oh here's where I'm stuck in my thinking and here's what I need to open up to mm -hmm. so that's interesting <laughs> you know for me I, I think one of the big things is just going out and exercising mm -hmm. and just, just separating myself from that moment, I guess, or that being so engrossed in the thought and I guess down in the weeds so much. And if I get out and just run 
or mountain bike or something and just let my mind kind of let's let that go for a minute and let's mm-hmm. just go i mean your your mind still pops back to it but i find it you know just separation from being right in the middle of it um just helps open my mind up a little bit and give it a little bit of breathing room i guess so that oh. i'm not so constricted into it so that that's been something that's helped me out a lot absolutely you know um absolutely for the next chapter um the focus on realistic thinking the little box thing says unsuccessful people hope for the best successful people face the facts and build upon them and i think that piece that we talked about earlier with the with the uh house you can't build a house in the air you have to have that foundation and i really liked you know creating that foundation and figuring out you know what 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 it what is the reality that surrounds this great idea that i have that i need to take into consideration and not ignore so that my idea has an opportunity to, to thrive and survive and I won't be shot down at the first little thing that came up that I, if I would have given it some thought, I would have seen it and prepared for it. I think mm-hmm. it's just a, a great concept in there. Just below that, they have Jack Welch. Uh, Jack Welch was the CEO of uh, GE for, boy, the better part of the, the 90s and just regarded as a, as a terrific uh, leader for um, GE and you know, I heard a, a podcast with John Maxwell just the other day where he was talking about legacy and, you know, Jack Welch's legacy didn't become GE. Jack Welch's legacy didn't become kind of this major focus on Six Sigma, but he considers the legacy that he had is all these leaders that once worked for GE now in so many different corporate uh, areas that are people that he had influence on, people that he engaged with. But now they're out doing great things. And I really liked, um, he had six rules for successful leadership. And the question below it is, you know, do you have rules for your leadership? Do you have rules for your life to help you be effective? And and these uh, six I thought were really great. It says control your destiny or someone else. Where are you looking? So this is in the uh, facilitator or the mastermind guide, excuse me. What page? So this is page 20. Oh, there we go. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, the very first page for chapter four. Um, And on that, sorry, I should have (laughs) indicated that better. Um, But yeah, number one was control your destiny or someone else will. Number two, face reality as it is, not as it was or as you wish it were. Be candid with everyone. Don't manage, lead, change before you have to. And if you don't have a competitive advantage, don't compete. And, uh, you know, I, I'll be honest, I, I was a big fan of Jack Welch's. I was in Six Sigma in the early 2000s and worked with a lot of folks from GE. And, um, you know, there was just a lot of uh, things that I focused on. He wrote a book, uh, Jack Welch, Straight from the Gut, that he kind of talked about his whole life story, basically. but. I mean, for me, it was just fascinating to see how he grew and how he just the preparation of his life that kind of led him to the point where he could be ready for that. And you can see in all those things, these experiences that, you know, he he did some things. He blew up a half of a factory one time 
uh, cool. with, with a chemical problem that, because they were kind of on that leading edge and trying to develop something. Um, and uh, it's just interesting the things that he learned and, and just experiences he had. But I really loved the one part here that just really stuck out to me was number five, change before you have to. And, you know, for me, I think just being aware of what's going on around you and seeing a need and then just saying to yourself, you know what, before somebody's going to force me to do this, I'm going to make a conscious choice to be who I need to be for that situation or for that part of my life that's coming up. And for me, that just really stuck out to me in a, in a neat way. But, uh, but again, I, I don't think if we're not realistically looking at the environment surrounding us and what's going on around us, we could be just idealistic and think, boy, I've got it all covered and I, I'm everything I need to be. And we don't push ourselves to develop and grow and, and continuously improve ourselves. And so that was one thing that just stuck out to me. Or even looking at the, the pain when it's just starting versus when it's something so big, we, you know, you're impossible. staring at divorce or you're staring at whatever. It's yeah. Looking at, Oh, this, you know, just on a personal, you, with it, with it, within your company or within your family, within your business, it's, it's not, you know, once you see any discomfort, it's not ignoring that is where I see that. Cause a lot of times you don't see what needs to be changed until there's a little bit of discomfort yeah. there. And it's, you've got to pay attention to the discomfort and not just band-aid it. Yeah. Absolutely. I think whether it's a fight or whether it's just a whatever kind of a negative impact to our lives, we ought to be sitting up and taking notice of those things, shouldn't we? Not just saying, well, whatever, that's their problem. You know, maybe it's our problem. Maybe we need to, maybe we need to change. I love that. Uh, that's one thing, you know, is I think if I was to point back to one single thing that I learned over the past five years that really has made a huge impact on me. It was this simple statement for things to change. I must change. And it's that whole idea of taking ownership of what's going on in our life and saying, what part am I playing in that negative thing that's happening in my life and what do I need to change to make it better? And so I think that for me, that has been gold. It's been solid gold. 100% agree. Yeah. Janet, in conclusion here, do you have any questions or any other thoughts that has stuck out to you this week? Just the don't manage lead. I think, you know, sometimes when you're running a business, you can just get bogged down in the managing part. Uh -huh. And especially as a coach, you've got to always be, be leading mm -hmm. and, um, and I, I realized the past couple of weeks I've kind of gotten bogged down in mechanics and that really hit me that I've got to look at, you know, make sure that I'm still, you know, you're getting the day-to-day the -day stuff done, but you're, you're leading as well and not just because, because when you just manage, that's when the overwhelm happens. Interesting. At least for me, that was yeah. another aha moment I had. Isn't that funny? And for some people, probably the managing piece would be what they love and what drives them. 
And for a creative person, the managing piece of it probably does feel like a huge anchor and weighing down versus I'm not focused on what I'm supposed to be doing, my calling, my, you know, what, what really drives my excitement. That's true. Or even leading, doing the process because I'm, you know, I, I prefer, I'm more fly by the seat of my pants, spontaneous, do what feels fun and exciting when, you know, as the leader, you've got to stick and, and, you know, do your morning routine and, you know, do the things, the, the process that sets you up for success. You can't just always be running off after shiny objects. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I, I love that. And boy, Janet, we could talk forever. <laughs> I, I know you got other things you probably need to be doing this morning, but uh, I tr- usually try to kick these to about 40, 45 minutes or so. But yes. thank you so much for joining us this morning. It's been great having the conversation and the review of the book. Well, I'm fighting you. guilty about being the only one. It's like, I feel like I'm, I don't know. It's, I hope it's like, is this really worth your time just to meet with only me? <laughs> The answer is absolutely yes. And I'll tell you why it goes back to that same thought. Do it anyways. Um, I, you and I have shared this before, but I believe every person on this earth is going to feed into my life in a beautiful way. If I let it, if I make a space for it and uh, you are a unique individual that um, I don't know you as well as I would love to already, but uh, I can just tell there's great things in you that, have already fed me and will continue to feed me. And if it's worth your time, it's certainly worth my time. And uh, every time I review this, it's a practice for me and I get better at it. And I'm going to be able to serve better the next group I serve and and work with. And you bringing in ideas to me that I would not think of on my own. That's going to make me better and help me do this better and make me a better, happier person. And that's a good thing. This is really expanding my thinking and, and you ask great questions and you're a great, you do a great job at even just leading the ones. So I appreciate you a lot. Well, it's certainly worth my time and I appreciate you as well. So have a wonderful day. It's been good being with you today and uh, enjoy the rest of your weekend. You too. Bye-bye. Bye now.